Good Sunday morning, Northgate. It's time to get into God's Word. Let's pray before we do so, Lord Jesus. We pray that you bless your Word. Speak to our hearts. Encourage us. Lord, we pray this in your precious, your holy name, Lord. Amen. So this summer, as you know, probably by this point, we take a little section out of our reading through the New Testament that some of us are doing. And again, just an encouragement, no matter your pace, just keep at it. It's okay, no matter where you are, as you are just getting into God's Word. That's the most important thing. So this week, we had a lot of different sections, but one of them was in the book of 1 John. And I, throughout the week, am asking the Lord what He wants me to share. Um, and I had two themes really running through my head all week in different ways. It seems when I was praying or talking to different people, these themes came up and I was asking God, which one of them uh, do you want me to, to share about this morning? Both were important to me and great reminders for me. And then as I read through First John, as some of you did as well, it's almost that both of these themes kind of dovetailed and came together. So that's what I'm going to do is just look briefly at the book of 1 John, just do a little overview and talk about the two themes of 1 John and encourage us this morning. So in your Bible at the very end, there's 1 John, 2 John and 3 John. And I think 2 John is the shortest book in the New Testament author, uh, John. 1 John doesn't say who the author is, and some uh, great scholars argue. But if you read the book of First John, the writing is so much similar to the Gospel of John, we know that it is John the Apostle. And John the Apostle, uh, the longest living of all the apostles, also wrote the book of Revelation. And he has this poetic way of writing. And to be honest, I'm kind of more simple in how I read. So there have been times where I've struggled with the Apostle of John and even First John in how to understand, but it's good to, to look a little deeper. So author, we know, John, who's the audience? That's the second thing we ask in these books. And uh, we believe that it's a group of house churches. Uh, as you look at Second and Third John and you tie it into First John, uh, different house churches in the city of Ephesus. So as we understand that, then we ask the question in 1 John in these five chapters, what is the reason or why is John writing? Now, it is very poetic in nature, but the neat thing in 1 John is he tells us why he's writing. And in 1 John 1.4, he says he's writing that, uh, his readers, and that would be us as well, that our joy would be full. That's chapter 1, verse 4. I write these things to you that your joy may be full. We always need more joy or need to understand how to have joy. Secondly, in chapter 2, verse 1, he writes to them, I write these things to you that you may not sin. Uh, praise God for that. And if we do sin, anyone who does sin, I write to you that you may not sin. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And that's the way we defeat sin in our lives, by knowing what Jesus has done and forgiveness and grace 
and it empowers us to live a holy life. So that's number two. Joy will be full. We wouldn't sin. If we did sin, that we would know forgiveness and that would empower us not to sin. And thirdly, chapter two, verse, or excuse me, thirdly, in chapter two, verse 26, I write these things to you concerning those who try to deceive you. In chapter two, you're going to get a lot of talk about these antichrists or the spirit of antichrist, anything anti-Jesus. In that time, these house churches, anyone coming, trying to profess that Jesus wasn't Lord or Jesus wasn't divine, John puts a very strong warning to that and tells them, be careful of those who come to deceive. And even for us today, that's so important. There's so much deception out there. And we need to know that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is the center. So fourthly, he would write this in chapter 5, the final chapter, that you would know that you have eternal life if you believe. Uh, praise God. And as we do believe, we have eternal life. It's not just about this world. So why is he writing this house church in First John? Well, four reasons. That your joy may be full. That you may not sin. If you do struggle with sin, that you would know that you have forgiveness through Jesus. Um... Thirdly, I write these things concerning those who try to deceive you, these spirits of Antichrist. And fourthly, that we would know as we believe that we have eternal life, that there would be no doubt as we trust and believe in Jesus Christ that eternity is our destination. So he's writing beautifully, poetically. Dan has trouble understanding, but you might get it better. I just encourage you, if you haven't been reading First John, to go through that. But even going a little deeper into the book really it's split up into two maybe three categories but two major categories um, why he's writing we know who is writing who he's writing to uh, but what are the major categories split into two parts the major themes light and love that should be easy to remember first um, chapters one and two all about light uh, chapters three and four about love so I took the task, I took these two color pencils, and every time I saw the word light, I just shaded it. And one time I saw the word love, I shaded it with this. And you'll be amazed how often you see those words or the context of those words as he's writing to these people. First and foremost, in chapters 1 and 2 about light, that Jesus is light. First uh, John 1, very much like John chapter 1, that Jesus is the light. But we need to walk in the light and as we walk in the light that we will love our brothers and sisters so a huge emphasis that the light being in the light walking in the light being in the light is loving those around us we can't say that we're in the light and live in the darkness we can't hate and say we're living in the light it doesn't make sense john would say to claim that you're a christian and be in the light and hate or not forgive those around you. Um, so you make that very clear. And then as you move then into chapters three and four, all about love. And it's almost the climax in chapter four, so famous chapter four and a lot of verses that we get uh, from there. But beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. What an amazing statement. And then he'll go on and talk about how love is perfected in us and that fear has no place in us. And that's where we get that uh, amazing verse that you probably memorized, that perfect love casts out all fear. As we know God's love, we live in love and it takes all fear from us. So let's track First John major themes. Jesus is light, living in the light. Uh, really important, bearing the light, not being in darkness. Then it goes to love. What is love? That Jesus is love, that he loved us, that God loved us by sending Jesus. And then we are to love one another and love perfected in our lives will take all fear, light and love. These two pencils, as you see that in chapter five is how we live our life with God. So light, love and how we live. That's first John, those five chapters in the context. That's how we will have joy. That's how we don't sin. That's how we recognize these false prophets and this deception. As we believe in that light and that love in Jesus, we have eternal life. So, okay, the two themes, my two themes went along just like that. And I'll just talk a little bit about them uh, personally what I went through this week and my reminders because they go specifically along those themes and tie them in. Love. Um, I'll start with love. Yeah, chapters three and four. In my life, love. Loving God. Abiding in his love. Uh, knowing his love. And of course, John and that thinks the Gospel of John. John 15. Abiding in the vine. Knowing God's love such an important factor and we've talked and sometimes I feel like I'm just the same record played over over the same string on the guitar but it's so crucial to abide in God's love to love others so the first thing we have to do is know and live in and understand God's love it's interesting as you look at John the author of this in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, I believe it is, he said he was the apostle that Jesus loved. And when you first read that, you're like, wow, that's pretty arrogant. Was he, did he think he was better? He wrote it, and then he describes himself as this apostle whom Jesus loved. He didn't describe any of the other disciples like that, but he described himself like that, almost as Jesus, his favorite. Like, why would he write that? It's funny as... Parents of many children, sometimes there's an argument. Well, who's dad's favorite? Who do, who do you think dad's favorite is? And it's almost like John's saying that. Like, oh, I'm the favorite. I'm the loved apostle. But I don't think that's what he means at all. What he is saying is simply this. He knows he's loved, so he describes himself as the one that is loved. And is that the way you would describe yourself in your relationship with Jesus Christ as one who is loved? Are you his child as John was the apostle who was loved? Is that the way we describe ourselves, understanding, living in the center 
of Jesus' love, being with him, knowing him, and knowing we are loved, abiding in that truth as John did. And John didn't always start that way, um, loving. Remember, he was called a son of thunder, I mean, James, the, the, the brothers or sons of thunder. And we know again that this apostle of love in First John who speaks of love in the Gospel of John was the same one who wanted to rain down fire on the Samaritans because they rejected Jesus. Jesus, do you want us to send down fire and burn them up? And Jesus is like, what do you, you don't understand. This is the same man who's now writing, understand love and live in God's love and share God's love. It's the same one who wanted to burn them and throw God's fire. What happened? He experienced and was living in Jesus by being close to him, God's forgiveness and love. And it totally changed him, right, to who he was. And that's why he speaks. It comes from a personal experience of being with Christ, knowing his love over those years, those three years with him, starting at one point, burn them, coming away from that to have such compassion and such a theme in all his writing as the apostle of love, the one knowing he's loved, changes everything. It's, it's, it's amazing. Actually, if these are house churches in Ephesus, I find it absolutely amazing because the Holy Spirit, through John's pen again in Revelation, says to these churches, uh, the letter written to the church of Ephesus, or those churches, those house churches, is do not leave your first love. Go back to your first love. Not doing, just being. They knew all truth. In Revelation there, chapter 2, the church of Ephesus knew truth. They were all about truth. And if you didn't have truth, you were gone. And Jesus says, I commend you for that. But go back, repent, and turn to your first love. Turn to Jesus, knowing his grace. Yeah, as John, you could see him leaning on the breast of, of Christ there. And just resting in that truth physically emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, stepping in and knowing. And that's what we have to go back today. And that's what we have to go back to every day. That theme of just taking time to live in God's love and know God's love. And that should be the center of my being. It came to me in prayer meeting this Wednesday night. It just came back to me. I have no idea why while we were praying, but Ezekiel 44 one of my favorite chapters because he brought me by way of the North Gate and the glory of the Lord, Sean, and we fell on our faces. And that's kind of the theme verse for North Gate that brought me to Canada. But as you continue on in the chapter, he talks about different priests and some priests were called to run around and, and to serve. But then he gets to these priests, you can read it yourself in Ezekiel 44, called the sons of Zadok or the priests of Zadok. And they weren't called to run around or to do things first and foremost, but they were called, it says in Ezekiel 44, to minister unto the Lord. It says specifically this, they shall come near to me and minister to me. Bring the sacrifice of praise. Just be in that love relationship to simply spend time. And it, it's so interesting that they were not allowed right after that in Ezekiel 44 to wear wool, 
because wool would cause them to sweat. And there's no sweating. There's no our work, our effort in God's presence. doesn't mean that we don't do things, so don't get me wrong. But first and foremost, Revelation, go back to that first love. John, 1 John, abide in that love. John 15, that's how we're supposed to live. But we meditate, we live in Christ's work, not sweating for that as the priest of Zadok, but simply ministering unto the Lord by receiving and being abiding in his love. Maybe a practical way, like in, in marriage, sometimes we, you know, it starts the honeymoon phase and <laughs> that's great, right? It's all about love emotionally, physically, always. But then life gets on, we get so busy and jobs and, and houses and, and work, just what we want to accomplish at work and different things and kids and poof. But we forget at times we can be drawn away, right, from love. Crisis can draw us away from the love in marriage we should have for each other. And, you know, I think all of us would say we've been married for a while. You have to work at it to live in each other's love to continually date, to understand, to live in, not the busyness. I don't want the external, those things, which we came together to do to become the priority, but rather the love that brought us together to be the priority. And that's what John's saying. And that was a huge reminder for me to be, all of us, a priest of Zadok, with ministry or not ministry, our first job is to be with, understand, receive God's love, and then love him back. That the love part. So first John, the light. What is the light? I just couldn't get that second theme out of my mind of community. And it ties into love too. And, and, and John is big on this. As I receive and know God's love, well, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. And you can't light, live in the light in this love, and hate your brother. And we'll add sister. It just does not make sense in that love to hate brothers and sisters in the Lord. My second thought was all about community. It came to me, first, I, I need to love the Lord, but people today, I would say in all time, are desiring true community. To find a community that's based in agape love. Well, 1 Corinthians 13, another reading from this week. Just beautiful how it flowed together. Well, what is a community like that look like? Well, it's not placing blame on each other. It's always hope. It's always believes. It always forgives. It's not rude. It's kind. Can you imagine a community of people like that. We, we desire community so much. Even the world desires community, whether they get it at a, a club or a sports team. Uh, all the television shows, the movies I love are, are based on community. We, we cherish that. Even um, if we're even a little more people who like to be alone, we need community. We want community. We want to be loved. But what does a good community look like? You know, if you've ever experienced love, agape love in a community, it sticks with you forever. Just talking to a friend this week, they were recounting back in time when they had experienced that. And 
I remember when, and I never, ever forget. We see that in, in bloodline families, a love, but we need to see it in the church, the place where we're loving one another, a place that we're growing together with grace and forgiveness, a place that's dominated with the behavior of 1 Corinthians 13, a place where there's no fear. And you know, it is so attractive. But isn't that the words of Jesus? Because Jesus said, if you learn this new commandment to love one another and serve one another as I'm doing for you, it will be a witness to the world. They will know you by your love. And John, so big, understanding God loved us first, then we love him, and then we love each other. Not emotionally, but a choice. A choice to say, I forgive. A choice to say, I journey with. A choice to serve. And when you have a community like that, we all want it and we want to grow in it. And there's good times and there's bad times. But we're in it together. And Christ being the center, as we grow in his love, we love each other. So it's said in history, John, the longest living apostle, as I've mentioned. And at the end, he would be carted around to different churches. And we know he wrote Revelation, uh, very old, and he... Could you imagine this one who had been with Jesus, talked with Jesus, seen Jesus' miracles, uh, all the questions we'd have for John? What would John preach to us today? <laughs> you know, he had so much experience, he had it all. And they said, as they'd cart him around to these different um, house churches, he wouldn't say much. Uh, I don't know, history would tell us, but he would always say even what these letters would say. And I read it this week and it was amazing. This one who could speak on anything Jesus said would simply say, love one another. Know God's love and love one another. Sermon done. I could tell you anything, but this is the main message. And you know what? It's not different than Jesus and what he would say, what are the two greatest commandments? He laid it out, just leave everything aside. It's to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love yourself and to love your neighbor as you would love yourself. Well, I have to love Christ with all of me. And how do I do that? By knowing his love. How do I love myself? It's not about loving myself and being arrogant and prideful or self-esteem. It's knowing Christ loves me and how much he cares for me changes the way I look at myself. And as I understand that, I'm allowed to love others with the way that Christ loves me. Amazing. And what is the theme of the book? Don't sin. I don't want to sin and hurt the one who loves me. I know I'm going to heaven. I won't be deceived and my joy will be full. You know, the old slogan we used to tell our kids, and I told this story a long time ago. Oh yeah, joy. What is joy? Jesus first. Knowing his love. Others. Loving others as Jesus loves us. And then yourself. I remember saying that to one of our children when they were four or five, or honest answer. Kids give honest answers. Like, well, that's stupid. I want put myself first. And we make fun of that, but that's our problem because that's the way our flesh thinks. 
And it's so true. And we need to change to understand Christ and what he's done in his love. And it changes us. So today, these themes of community. Man, we desire at Northgate and the body of Christ, even within Perth, all the different churches, love to be the center. 1 Corinthians 13, love. To love one another, not to say we're in the light and hate, or not forgive or live in darkness. That's not what God would have for us. And how do we do that? By being a priest of Zadok, by being like the Apostle John, knowing, knowing I am the one that Christ loves. Amen. I pray that's encouraging to you today. And I encourage you, if you haven't read First John, go through that and be encouraged yourself and get your color pencils out. Lord, thank you this morning for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for your word. Teach us, Jesus. Help us to know we are loved and help us to love one another. Pray this in your precious name. Amen. We'll see you later.